good to be with you again. I was, what, seven, eight weeks ago I was here and um, my mum just recently went back to the, oh, it's, it's kind of like awkward with the camera, I feel like I'm supposed to like pose. <laughs> It's so funny. She's like, thank you. <laughs> no, oh my goodness, that's embarrassing. No, I was texting my mum, uh, and she was on her way back to the States. She was here for the birth of our daughter, and she kind of le- you know, left a little, about a bit later, a couple of weeks. Um, super helpful, super good that she could come down. She's in the room for all of our children now, which is cool. But I'm texting her, and um, you know mums have the anointing of the auto-incorrect? Um, they, they're just writing texts and it's like, you're trying to figure out what mum's saying. She texts me saying, um, what did she say? She goes, I, I'll, I'll miss you, I love you, my previous son. And I was looking at this going, man, I really hope she meant precious because that's kind of a, that's kind of a finality farewell that I wasn't expecting from mum. So I'm like, mum, um, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, darling. Yes, precious son. And it's just for some reason, mums have the anointing. They're the best at it. And, you know, this, there's this conversation that I saw that I thought was pretty funny. I've got for you this morning. This text is a classic. Hey, mum, is there anything at home for me to eat? I'm starving. Sure, love. I have that pasta from last week in the bottom of the freezer in the garage. I'm calling the police. Like, mums. <laughs> See, mums... I love that one. That one's just, number one makes me a bit scared as a pastor. I'm like, man, people do that? that it's like, yeah, it wasn't a very good message. Let's put them in the freezer. But um, now one of the biggest, I think, it, I think as funny as that is, I, I do think that it's easy for us to, to misinterpret a word from God or mishear or misunderstand and get it wrong because of the lens that we uh, we're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And it's so easy for us to get into the natural way of thinking and the natural way of hearing. And so it, it's so easy for us to get in the way. You know what I'm saying? It's so easy for us to just kind of get caught up in that. And so a message comes through and we get it wrong and not because God has an autocorrect issue, but because we've got a flesh issue. Because we get stuck in the natural and there's this wrestle between what is natural and what is supernatural going on in us and this flesh and the spirit. Romans 8 talks about this, this wrestle that goes on, this battle. And, you know, Jesus spends two-thirds of his words recalibrating anyone who would listen to the frequency of his kingdom. In other words, he spends two-thirds of his words telling parables and stories that are relevant and relate to us, starting with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like. What Jesus spent his time doing, a lot of his time doing, is getting our hearts to think like the kingdom. Because when we don't have the kingdom in our heart and we don't see that this is supernatural what happens so easily is that the word of god comes to us and we we perceive it through the wrong lens we perceive what god says about us sometimes and the plans he has for us which are for good plans not to harm us but a future and a hope as jeremiah 29 says and we perceive these plans through a different lens a natural lens perhaps maybe a lens of fear that has got into our heart or a lens of whatever it might be and we perceive and misperceive the words of God it matters you see in Judges 6 we see a message from God come to Gideon and an angel appears to Gideon and he double takes at the words and he's like I think you got it wrong I think this is a this is a mistake this is a a, a, you've misspoken do you know who I am and through the lens of how he sees himself he gets it wrong 
We read this in Judges 6 verse 11 to 14. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. They were being oppressed by the Midianites. It says to keep from the Midianites. And in this moment, he's hiding away in a wine press, threshing wheat to keep. And the angel Lord appears to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. His response to his, uh, pardon me? His response is, I think you've got that wrong. His response is, are you sure you're talking to the right person verse 14 the lord turned him and said go in the strength you have he says here's strength you have strength and save israel out of midian's hand am i not sending you pardon me my lord but how can i save israel did you say strength my clan is the weakest and i am the least he interprets god saying mighty warrior and go in the strength you have to i'm the weakest and i'm the least because there's something wrong with how he sees himself And I don't know about you, but one of the biggest struggles that we all go through is how do we see ourselves? Because we're made in the image of God Himself. The Bible says we have been made in His image and that lens, we all struggle with seeing ourselves through that lens. And so when it's like, hey, you could do this, I've called you to do this, the struggle is, is interpreting it in the way that God has called us to interpret it through the lens that God has called us to, through the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's like, pardon me, he's hiding in a wine press. And I, I think, like Gideon, myself, all of us, we struggle with a lack of belief in ourself. Because there are things in this world, I don't know about you, but when people have said certain things, you know, Mark, he's, you know, he's just a, he's a brat. And this image of us that was once perfect, made in the image of God through the little things that have been said and done to us. It's like they chip away. See how far I can get them this service. Last time I made it to the back row, the rock. They chip away. These little negative experiences, hurts, shame, stuff that, that like failures. And it's not just what people say about it. And when it gets really big, but when it gets a, a lot stronger and a lot bigger is when the, the failures start reinforcing the words we've heard over ourselves for so many years. And so these failures that start mounting up start to fracture that image of God of how we've... Been, and so when we go and look at ourselves, mighty warrior, it's, it's kind of cracked and distorted and not how God made it and so this is this identity issue that Gideon has is the same identity issue that I have that we have that those things that can come against us and fracture this perfect image of you are made beautifully and wonderfully you know I got called Dumbo in primary school don't laugh at me some of you are smiling but I I got called Dumbo because of my big ears I know they're quite big, aren't they? They're normal. <laughs> I grew into them, thank God. But I remember those words making me so self-conscious, and every time I'd look in a mirror, all I could see was this m- these massive ears I had. And it's like, that's just a little thing. Come on, get over it, toughen up, buttercup, all that. Have a cup of cement, harden up, right? But the reality is, is even the small words can get through. And start affecting and cracking the identity of God has called you to be strong, mighty warrior. 
how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? John 1, um, Philip's telling Nathaniel about Jesus, that they've found the one. And Jesus is from this town called Nazareth, which is, if you know anything about Nazareth, it was like far out in the north, actually. And it it was like this little town that was kind of a, this backwards place. And he's, you know, son of a carpenter, Joseph, and his kind of suspect situation around their, their you know, conception and all these sorts of things going on. And this is the, this is the past of, of Jesus, of what he's, you know, had to go through. And th- this, is the, this is the conversation that happens in John 1 verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And this is the response. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. See, Nazareth had a reputation of where people were surprised and shocked and wondering, surely nothing good can come out of there. I don't know if you've ever felt like those people, and, and I don't know what that reputation would have done to the people who lived in Nazareth and their identity, where the people hear about the city and they wonder, nothing good can surely come out of that place. But that is the enemy's strategy and tactic, is to convince us that nothing good can come out of us. So you've done this. Don't you remember what they said about you here? And remember what you, remember what you did and no one really knew about you? And, and shame kind of piles up. And then the enemy's tactic is for, to make us believe that nothing good can really come. You might do this much and you know, have a little effect there, but you're not going to change the world. Nothing good can come from Nazareth, but there is Jesus. I don't think it was an accident that he came from a place that people thought nothing could happen because that's you and my, that's my story right now. I think the, the, the things I've been through in the places, this is the redemptive grace of God, is that he'll use things that shouldn't be used. He'll use things and take good out of places where good should never have come from. And so when we look at the mirror of our lives and we look at who we are, we can't pick up the pieces and kind of make it all work. And this is what we do. We try and we pick up all the broken pieces and we're like, oh, I'm good, aren't I? And we try and find it from other people. And you're trying to make it work together. But what happens is with all the broken pieces, you just end up hurt more yourself. You just end up, you're not meant to carry and fix this. We can't. Only Jesus Christ can fix it. You see, the reason why we're here, the reason why... We, we do what we do is because the only way to restore our image of who we are and what we're called to do is through Jesus Christ. We can't fix it. We can only fix our eyes. And who do we fix our eyes on? Jesus Christ, the author, the, finish, the perfecter of our faith. When we can't fix it, fix our eyes. And you see the Matthew 13 verse 58, uh, uh, it talks about how he went to Nazareth and he couldn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. See, I believe that unbelief was both a lack of faith, but it was also a lack of belief that God would even want to do anything within the midst because the reputation in Nazareth was nothing good can come from there. And I believe that it penetrated so deep into the heart of their people that it actually stopped God from being able to work through them and in that place right there and so the 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 issue is when we have when we haven't got a healthy perspective and belief of like no I am called I am chosen I am beautiful I am strong I am not the least I am 
called by God himself. The, the danger is, is that God can't do anything in there because of our unbelief. Because we don't truly believe the words of, no, you're made in my image. What happens is we wrestle with the words that have been spoken, the negativity that have kind of smashed through the, the layers. And you can't get up in front of people. You're just dumbo. Those words, they just chip away. And only God can restore. I don't know if you've ever felt disregarded. Not Nazareth. Not you. But I'm here to tell you good can come from you and that's how God designed it. Good will come from you if you choose to believe the words of God. And Gideon has that moment of revelation and he, when he encountered that angel and then he says, you know what, okay, maybe. And, and we see a guy who's hiding in a wine press, hiding away, fearful, bound in fear. But then those words of God, he chooses to believe a mighty warrior. I'm with you. Go in the strength you have. And because of the belief of that word, what that identity that was fractured and hiding away and full of fear begins to be restored. And he takes a, a bunch of guys and then it, en- it ends up being 300 in the end. But because his identity was rooted in the right thing, his ear was tuned to the frequency of the kingdom of God and not to the words of other people that have called him the weakest and the least and all these sorts of things his whole life to where he believed. The belief switched and then God was able to do a great thing. And one guy with a couple of his friends, 300 of them, but no swords, just some jars, some torches, are able to do something that's never ever been done before in the history of the world. Defeat an entire nation, just 300 of them. You think about a guy who is the weakest and the least choosing to understand and believe who God really called him to be. This is the power of our identity being found in God and not in the opinion or or the world or what people see of you or think of you. When our opinion is founded of ourselves, our belief of ourselves is founded in who God says we are, we're able to change the world. We've seen it time and time again. Maybe it's caused us to settle into smaller things than we were actually designed for. Maybe the belief of who God's called you to be and how you see yourself, how I see my, maybe it's caused us to settle into things when we were really created for so so much more. And I just want to stir you guys right now to just, there's more for you. Don't just, don't settle. Don't, don't just sit back and be like, well, you know what? This is just who I am. This is my capacity. Man, I believe, and I just want to speak over you. There is great things coming from Salisbury Campus. There is great things coming from each and one. There is great things. Not because I say, because God said. Because God says. Let us make mankind in our image, our likeness, so they may rule over fish, seabirds, sky, livestock, wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God wants to restore our image of ourselves to that standard that we may rule. Just as the band comes, I've got a song to play you. Um, The song's called Good News. And this is good news. Who is good news? It's Jesus Christ. And these words, as we sing them over you today, I actually, I'm just going to let you, you know, stay seated, please. Just, just in your own space and place, just kind of block out everything else and close your eyes in a moment and just listen to the words. Just listen to the lyrics and let them minister to your heart. Let them just speak to you. And I just, be- I just believe as we play this song, the Holy Spirit's just going to 
just start restoring that image, restoring that identity. Saul has this encounter on the raid of Damascus that's famous in the Bible and this blinding light from heaven. He's, he's, at this point, his identity is, man, he's a persecutor of Christians. He's walking down the road. He's causing havoc. Think he's fully believes he's doing the right thing as an Orthodox Jew, just trying to, you know, he's like, this is absolutely, he, he believes a lie, really. And he's on the road and this is who he is one day, has a massive encounter with God. This is the only way for our identity to shift. And in that moment, it says he was struck with blindness for three days. And what I believe the process was happening, not only was it a name change from Saul to Paul because the identity shift was clear, but he actually was fixing his eyes, fixing his eyes, letting him see what this was really about. And that's my prayer just from the beginning, even as I got up, I was like, God, I pray that you would just fix our eyes, that when we look into the mirror, we'd see who you see us to be. Fix our eyes, that when we look at our calling, you'd see it. We'd see exactly what you've called us to, clarity in the perfect will of God. And this encounter that Saul had, that's my prayer for this morning. It's my prayer for you. It's a prayer for me that this week, if God would visit us and just begin a restorer, what do you think of yourself? No, God, what do you think of me? God, what do you say about me? Weakest? No. Strength. Boldness. Courage. Beautiful, skilled, capable, capacity, great capacity. These are the things that God says about us, thinks about us, knows about us. And when we align with that, and my prayer is that just God, just we wanna we wanna encounter we wanna hear from you, God, to right now and as we sing these words, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would do your thing. We can't fix it. We can't put all the pieces back together. But we just, the master surgeon in the Holy Spirit, we give the pieces to you. Restore our identity in Jesus' name. Just with no one looking around and his head bowed, eyes closed. You know, there's a story in the Bible about a father and, his son and his son gets this idea one day that you know I just I want to figure it out on my my own I want to go and you know just into the world and do it my way live my way and he does so he goes out and sure enough a little while it's fun at first but a little while goes by and he just gets in in a big mess and even the Bible says that he gets to the point where he's so desperate for food that he just eats with whatever the pigs have. And so he's literally in, in, in this horrible place, trying to work it out on himself by himself, trying to figure it all out, trying to do it, make it happen. Realizes that he can't and, and just goes, man, maybe anything's better than this. Maybe I, if I just go home, if I just turn around, if I just go back to my father and maybe he'll just take me back as a servant or something and so he makes his way home and as he's getting home and he's walking down that road his father sees him from a way off and he just begins to run arms outstretched and embraces his son that's been away in that moment what mattered wasn't where the son had been and what he'd done it mattered that his son had come home it mattered that there'd been a realization that the son he couldn't do it by himself he wasn't made to do it by himself that he needed 
his father, he needed to be home. And I don't know if you've ever been in that place, but I have. We kind of try to just make life make sense by yourself, trying to do it your way. We're just not made. It's not how it goes. And God, God, the Father, He loves us so much. And He's, you know, busyness, it happens. Drift, it happens. And we kind of get lost along the way and we end up in the mess. And today it's an opportunity for us to come home, for you to come home, to get your life right with Jesus. The most important thing that you could ever do is make sure that your relationship with Jesus is right. And if that's you in this place, I want to pray for you in a second. And you say, Mark, I know, you know, I've kind of wandered off. I'm not living. My relationship with God isn't, isn't right. I'm not living with God for God. and That's okay. But man, you've got an opportunity to come home right now. And I just believe the Holy Spirit is working on all of our hearts, restoring our identity, who we are, who we're meant to be, what we're called to do. But the most important thing is, are you right with God? Are you right with God? Where, where do you and God sit? And I want to pray for you in a moment. If you say, yeah, Mark, that's me. I need to get right with God. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three just so you know when. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down. I'm just going to pray for you this morning. See, this moment, it matters. And it's an important decision. I'm saying, yeah, you know what? I'm done. I'm coming home. I'm done trying to figure it out. God loves you so much. There's nothing that can separate you from His love. Jesus died on a cross. His only Son was sent for you, for me, that whoever believes may not perish but have eternal life. And if you just say, yeah, Mark, I need to reconnect my life with Jesus. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe you've never known what it is to have a relationship with God. This morning, it's your morning. So on the count of three, just put your hand up. I'll see it. You can put it down. We're going to pray. That's you. One, two, three. Just lift it up. Say, yeah, that's me. That's me me thank you so much is there anybody else anybody else you say yeah man i need to i need to get my life right this morning i need to come home awesome i've seen it you can put it down anybody else the best decision you ever make is living a life with jesus i don't want to move on without an opportunity for every person church we're going to pray this prayer all together dear Jesus I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong please forgive me I believe that you died on a cross for me and you rose again Jesus be my friend be my saviour I love you In Jesus name we pray Amen